Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burnt Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurntOrangeNation.com. Before we get started today, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us a ton get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it's Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify. We are everywhere where you can find Podcast. I also want to remind you that our podcast host, Podium, is offering all of our listeners a 14-day free trial of their premium services and 25% off your first three months of that premium membership. All you got to do is go to Podient, that's P-O-D-I-A-N-T, sign up using the offer code LONGHORN to get 25% off your first three months of a premium membership. They make it so easy to make a podcast. If you've ever thought about it, you'd honestly at this point be stupid not to try it. Well, my name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who would never apologize for saying, oh, you sucks, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh, I am literally as happy as I've ever been in my life, man. It's a, uh, it's a fantastic week in the, in the Carpenter household. Um, big, big breaking news here for the podcast. Uh, the Longhorn Republic landed a five-star uh, commit this week uh i yeah. i liked it so i put a ring on it and and she said yes yeah. so big big news i uh i'm engaged gerald man that is big time it's really just been a matter of when for everybody outside of that relationship so we're just we're just waiting for it to drop so yeah we're really happy for kyle there's going to be probably a weird week of podcasts where neither kyle or i are available to do the show because there's a wedding happening but we'll figure something out maybe we'll do our first ever live show Maybe it'll be a live from the reception. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but that's not what we're here to talk about. I don't know if you, your fiance would, would be up for that, but uh, we'll give it a shot one of these days. I don't know, maybe. Uh, but we're not here to talk about uh, engagements, even though it's very exciting. Very, very exciting. Uh, we've got some football to talk. Texas back in the driver's seat for a shot at the Big 12 championship oh, yeah. after a win over Iowa State. All they got to do is beat the Kansas Jayhawks in Lawrence, which has been a struggle. Um, for at least one visit to Lawrence, got a little bit of volleyball news. And then we will also obviously close the show out with some bang the drum. So Kyle, after a week of hand wringing, a week of consternation, a week of people saying that Texas maybe didn't have it, uh, to keep up or to beat Iowa state, Texas, in spite of the final score, put it on Iowa state on saturday yeah i mean this was this was one of their best games and again if you look at the box score it's not going to jump out at you it'll be one of those exercises where um in 10 years you're going back and looking at uh, college football reference or something and uh, a 24 um to to 10 win doesn't necessarily um doesn't necessarily look like the the thing that that you're gonna say wow remember when remember that that fantastic game remember when Texas really um, kind of took the step forward that we'd been waiting for all season um, obviously we'll get into some of the caveats of why it wasn't a perfect game why all circumstances weren't exactly what we were hoping for um, but I think the team fought they they you know came out from start to finish with a game plan um, especially on the defensive side of the ball and executed it um, you know it, it was a it was a, a fantastic 
win for the team. And it, it, it's funny. I was looking back at it, and I referenced this on other podcasts. But uh, even with the uh, with the late touchdown, cutting it to only a 14-point win, this was still the uh, tied sixth biggest win in the Tom Herman era, which is still kind of ridiculous to say. Um, if that illustrates how much the, the heart attack horns like to uh, like to keep it interesting. And we saw that at the end of the game with the touchdown, the special teams plays, the fumble. They tried their best to, uh, to, to give people a few more gray hairs. But ultimately, I mean, this was a this was a team that knew what they needed to do. They were avenging for what they hadn't done in the previous two weeks, and they and they did it, and that was exciting to see. The score looks a lot tighter than it actually was because, well, Iowa State kicked a field goal with like five minutes left in the first quarter, and then they went ahead and scored a touchdown with what? Five minutes left in the game. So basically three full quarters, Texas was up three scores is what it felt like. Texas was in control throughout most of the game, and I think a big reason why is the defense. The Texas defense, after three weeks of struggles, now granted they played three of the best offenses in the country because that's what happens in the Big 12, they managed to absolutely shut down an Iowa State offense that hadn't been shut down yet this year, or at least since Brock Purdy took over. So, Kyle, when you look back at the performance of the Texas defense against Iowa State, man, what what jumps out to you? What what makes you feel like this defense has turned the corner? Well, um, even without a hundred percent of of the weapons at their disposal, that you know we we would like to see in a completely healthy defense, um, it was a team that was locked in, had a game plan. Um, it helped obviously that one of the better players for Iowa State and David Montgomery wasn't playing. We we can't act like that wasn't the case, but let's remember that Texas's best offensive player, and we'll get to that, wasn't playing the whole game. But David Montgomery didn't play the first half. Came in, ran 10 times in the second half for 33 yards, but total, Texas only gave up 62 yards. So it's not as though uh, he didn't have just about half of those, which is about par for average and is a fantastic day. Giving up 2.1 yards per rush um, to a really good Iowa State defense that had been moving the ball efficient, efficiently. Um, you know, even even his touchdown, that the one touchdown he had, came late after a uh, kind of special teams mistake, honestly, um, when the punting team gave them, you know, inside the, the 20, I think, field position. Um, so it was a a tough spot for the defense there, but the defense came in. Um, they did two things. They're, they got in the backfield, really. The one thing they got in the backfield uh, of the Iowa State uh, offense pretty frequently, whether that was dropping back to pass, uh, giving Brock Purdy everything he could, you know, both getting pressure and then also keeping contain, which that, that latter one is, oh my goodness, is the. Uh, is one of the most attractive things I've seen Burn Orange do in, in maybe years, I don't know, on defensive side, just playing perfect contained football. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they just didn't let people break away. They didn't um, give up too many home run plays. Of course, with Akeem Butler, you're going to give a little something up. But uh, they, they kind of kept what is a good running game even without Montgomery. If you remember back to when we did our season preview, uh, the wide right Natty Life folks were saying, uh, yeah, this is a stable full of running backs. The uh, uh, the young uh, the young kid who got a majority of the carries in his stead, um, Nwangu, I believe, uh, is, is, a, is a guy they're really, really high on and expect him to be the next you know, series of pretty decent uh, running backs they've turned out. So, I mean, it wasn't like they, they had nothing left in the tank. This was just a Texas team that won that battle, and I don't think anything should be taken away from that. No, and I think, you know, they say David Montgomery missed the first half, but he didn't really, he wasn't really a factor in the second half either, and I think that because Texas was able to build up a big enough lead to where you can't pound the rock with, with Montgomery, which is great. They were able to play good enough defense in the first half, and I think... You know, one of the things that 
everybody said heading into this game was Brock Purdy's running ability right. is a differentiator, and Texas shut him down. I mean, Texas absolutely shut him down. It, it, they obviously brought him down for several sacks. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But even if you like remove the sacks from the equation, he only gained 17 yards of rushing offense. And that that's a big part of his game is the ability to scramble, the pump fakes that he does, trying to be a young Brett Favre. Like that, that did not work out for him. And they were able to shut him down. And I think, like you said, the ability to keep him in the pocket and not fall for those. And seeing Texas actually commit somebody to spy the quarterback. Uh, granted, having Malcolm Roach back helps a ton with that. You know, he's probably the most talented linebacker they've got on the crew. It's hard. I mean, they're all good, but I think he's the guy that really um, seems to add that extra something. I don't know. He's got that X factor that it seems like he adds in the linebacker room. And it's really been uh, impressive. But even just not giving Purdy wide open passing lanes. I mean, the the defense overall, the secondary overall, didn't give him a ton of clean looks. They played better coverage than I've seen for most of the year. Now, they did switch to uh, prevent a little bit too early for my taste toward the end of the game, and that's one of the reasons why Iowa State was able to eke out that, that touchdown to help get closer to the line. Uh, they were They had seven, eight, nine yards off the ball, and – you give Hakeem Butler that much room in the open field and he's going to make somebody pay for it. So I disagreed with that choice, but Texas came up with six sacks, 42 yards of sacks, which is the highest single game total under Todd Orlando, a guy that they, people wanted to fire seven days ago. Uh, so the, the, there is some credence at this point to saying, well, we have played three of the best offenses in the country, and that's what they do to you. So I'm really, uh, I'm interested to see what else this defense can do moving forward. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think uh, we we talked about it here on this podcast with my spicy caliente hot take uh, last week that um, they were playing one of David Montgomery's is is a known entity, is a really good running back, but they were playing potentially a top five receiver in the country. I don't think it's that crazy to, to say that Keem Butler has had that type of talent in that, in that type of um, production in his career. He's leading coming into this game, leading the country in yards per reception, um, basically a lock for a hundred a game um, and, and a touchdown. It seemed um, the kid did not get a hundred yards. You heard it here on the Longhorn Republic. No one else was willing. Razor thin. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, specifics are not particularly useful in this conversation. What I'm, the <laughs> point I'm trying to make is no one else was willing to go out on that limb, but, but your, your brave host on this here podcast, uh, was willing to, to give you folks that insight, <laughs> to give you the fact that they would not allow 100 yards receiving to Hakeem Butler, even though they had given up like an average of 215 yards to all of the elite receivers, um, you know, from all the way back to Amon St. Ra uh, with USC through Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, <laughs> etc., etc. You heard it here first. And then, again, good friends of the pod, Devontae Davis and Chris Boyd, knew they had that bend, don't break. After listening to the podcast, they could only give up so much, and they didn't give up another catch once he got to 99 yards. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you for making an honest man out of me. Um <laughs> 
<laughs> this will probably be my favorite uh, my favorite hot take that somehow I backdoor covered uh, of this season. It was it was pretty fantastic. I mean, they they held that entire passing offense to 130 yards. They gave up 99 of it to Butler, but 130 yards passing, <laughs> or at least for Purdy. I think I, I believe uh, I believe Kemp may have completed one, but uh, anyways, under 150 yards for sure passing um, in the Big 12. That's fantastic. Yeah, it was 148 yards is what they they gave yeah. up. Kyle Kemp had those three random. Yeah, I, that that offense looks vastly different with Kyle Kemp, and it was not a good look. No, and the other thing we talked about last week, and, and not to to bang our own drum too much, <laughs> but our other Potsdamus prediction, the one I made, uh, was the third down conversions. I said Texas after giving up basically 60 percent over the last three weeks would hold Iowa State to 45% Iowa State is not a good third down team and Texas held them to 5 of 15 which if you're doing your math at home that's a solid 33% uh, so we're Kyle we are we are 4 for 4 on our Potsdamus predictions uh, so far we should have made this a thing week 1 maybe Texas wouldn't have lost to Maryland but <laughs> I want to unpack that uh, that third down statistic because it's, it's kind of crazy to look at so what Texas managed to do on second down is put Iowa State in unfavorable positions. Yep. So 12 of Iowa State's 15 third down attempts came from five yards or greater. So 12 of their 15 came from five yards or greater. Iowa State was 2 of 12 on five yards or greater. 2 of 12. Eight punts, two turnovers. So that means that Iowa State, anything less than five yards are a perfect 3 of 3 on. So yeah. that is... Putting Iowa State behind the chain seems to be the key because if they're if they've got five yards or shorter, they're converting every time. They were literally three of three from that range, and they were two. They converted twice, once at the beginning of the game, and I believe once in the third quarter, uh, from longer than that. And that that to me is a difference maker because the defense was not burnt out by the end of the game. The defense was not huffing and puffing and sucking wind by the end of the game. And the offense was able to move the ball and and grind it out in spite of an injury to, to Sam Ellinger, who was having what was going to be a really good game yeah. uh, after an injury in the first quarter. So Ellinger, 12 of 15, 137 yards, a touchdown on top of uh, 32 rushing yards in the first half. He takes a hit on that shoulder he injured a few weeks back. Uh, Tom Herman said that there's no new injuries. The shoulder is just, and I quote, angry right now. So they're expecting him to be back for Saturday in in, uh, Lawrence. But Shane Bouchelle came in and was... For la- nearly perfect is the only way I can describe right. Shane Bouchelle's performance in relief for Sam Ellinger. Yeah, I mean, by, by pass attempts, it was, in fact, perfect. Uh, the kid came out and went 10 for 10, and uh, I, I kind of joke. So I watched this uh, this game in, in New Orleans at a Texas X's. Uh, shout out to the Texas X's New Orleans um, event. Um, so a room full of Longhorns, and I was talking to some guys, and, uh, you know, they were just, woe is, woe is us, it's over. And I said, hey, there's two... <laughs> There's two things that, that Bouchelle is doing. He's either showing that he, he truly loves the Longhorns and he's going to come out and, and win this one for us, uh, or he's auditioning for his next lead role um, uh, somewhere else. And either way, whatever he did it for, um, I love the kid, and we, we both have been on record for a long time saying we love the kid. He came out and showed that he has elite talent. He has elite Division One beating 
the best Big 12, you know, defense in the Big 12 for um, a perfect 10 for 10, 89 yards. Again, he had the opportunity to have a lead and to kind of use the running game to set that up, which we have said before is his strength. Um, a play-action pass with a good running back, and, and Bouchelle will pick you apart and, and probably bomb a few over over your head. But 10 for 10 were 89 yards and a touchdown um, and just ran the defense exactly how it needed to run um, to get that time of possession to where we wanted it. I think it finished plus 8.5 for the Horns, which is perfect. We've said before that's exactly the winning formula. Uh, he came in and did everything. So given that, do you think if Ellinger is anything less than 102%, um, you know, come Friday that that Herman, you know, pulls the trigger and, and puts him back out there with a chance to re-injure it or, or lets kind of the hot hand in, in, in Bouchelle take, take a spin? I would say because they can play Shane Bouchelle twice more and him retain his red shirt, I would be fine with him taking the start. Especially, and again... It's happened before, but Kansas is an infinitely winnable game. They're, they're, if Texas comes out and plays like it did against Iowa State, Texas wins by three scores probably. So I'm fine with them sitting Sam Ellinger because that AC joint strain that he uh, initially suffered was a two-week injury. Yep. If they had had to, if they hadn't had the bye week, he'd have sat out a game. Mm-hmm. So I'm fine because again, you, we've talked. Shane Bouchelle is a record holder at the University of Texas. He's set and still holds freshman records at the University of Texas. So he is a good quarterback. Now, you do lose some of that dual threat ability, um, but not necessarily as a runner, but as the as the tough guy to get the, the tough yardage mm-hmm. because so most people forget about this when they talk about the differences between the two quarterbacks. Shane Bouchelle was the number four uh, dual threat quarterback in the country, if right, I recall correctly. Right. So uh, he's not he's not a slouch in the running game. He's just not the same type of runner that Sam Ellinger. So long story short, if if Sam Ellinger is not a hundred percent, I would prefer to see Shane Bouchelle take the snaps and rest up Sam Ellinger for a Big Twelve championship game. Yeah, and I, I agree completely with you. I think though the one thing you lose, like you said, is the schematic advantage of having the uh, the second H back on the field with Sam Ellinger, but. Uh, um, that's no shout at him. He's he's a tough, tough kid. I do wish he would slide every once in a while. Um, we all know you're yes. tough, man. We all know you're tough. Slide sometimes. You don't you don't have to to run everyone over. But uh, but you know I think it's a little bit of a dis- disservice if we just sit here and talk about the two quarterbacks who both when they were in the game played well because I think a reason that both of them did play so phenomenally is because we had two running backs who played their butts off in this game, both in Trey Watson, who um, had a 40 yard near 40 yard rush um, that almost, I thought he was going to take it to the house, um, but had 14 carries for 93 yards um, and just looked, you know, like the real deal. Um, And then Keontae Ingram, uh, 12 carries for, I believe 59 yards, uh, 57 yards um, with another had a 20 yard uh, run that he looked great in. I mean, you had two kids, you had 180 yards or so on the ground. Danny Young put a couple in there as well. Um, but, you know, two kids for the most part who, who took a share, lion's share with Ellinger getting a few runs, but two running backs took a lion's share of this work, put 175 plus yards on the ground and kept the, the chains moving, kept the ball in the Longhorns' hands, kept the fans, you know, in the game, just kept that environment lively, um, you know, the winning home field advantage that it was because 
you know, on third downs, they're converting on, on second and, and mediums. They're, they're picking it up. You know, they're doing all of those things that make it a fun game to watch when Texas just strangleholds and takes, you know, for lack of a um, better metaphor, takes the game by the <clears throat> horns um, and just holds on to it uh, the whole time. Those are fun Texas football games. Like, we don't need to be in shootouts every week to have fun. I love strangling the the opponent, uh, their will and life out. And I, and I think you have to give Trey Watson and Keandre Ingram uh, two, two, uh, two big pats on the back for, for the, the efforts that they put in. Yeah, Trey Watson, and I said it last week and I'll say it every time I see it, Trey Watson has done an incredible job of taking literally every inch. Like, you, you give him any inch, and he's going to take it from you. And everybody's talking about the 39-yard rush. The play before that that went for, I think, four or five yards, he had about seven miles to run, and he mm-hmm. just got tripped up by mm-hmm. by, by a guy. I, was, I thought that's where he crack, was going to crack off a big one, and then he cracks off on the next one. But I thought that was a long touchdown. Like, I, you ask my wife, I was off of the couch when I saw that play develop. Because <laughs> I, I just knew he was gone. But uh, he played his best game in burnt orange, and he continues to do exactly what he needs to in that uh, in that role where he is the guy who's – I, I wouldn't have said at the start of the year that Trey Watson is the tough yardage guy. I wouldn't have done it. He, he just doesn't. That's not his running style. But that's what he's turned into, and it's been incredible. And I think he's the guy that makes the defenses be honest because he's also the guy that'll sneak out in the flats and catch one. He only had one reception this, this last game or two receptions uh, this last game. But he's the guy that you always have to account for in the passing game. Uh, now, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Lil Jordan Humphrey. Uh, because we absolutely have to, because he continued to do just ridiculous, stupid things as a, as a receiver. Uh, he had uh, seven receptions for 86 yards and a score. He becomes with those 86 yards, just the ninth player in school's history with a thousand yard rushing season, which again, little Jordan Humphrey, he was, we knew he was going to be good. We knew he was going to be good coming into the season, but a lot of the talk was Colin Johnson and Lil Jordan Humphrey has shown that he is the man and he's able to get the job done uh, for Texas specifically when you try to arm tackle him. Oh, yeah. It's um, I mean, he's got to be near the top in in yards after the catch that, that aren't screen passes. Like, I think he might lead the the country in that. I think he's already top 10 or top 12 in just pure yards after the catch. But a lot of those go to the little, little shifty guys who are catching, you know, basically handoffs um, with good blocking and getting... 10, 12 yards before someone can get a hand on them, um, which is a great play. Let's let's not say the bubble screen or any of those things are 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 bad. Uh, I'm just saying there's no or very few other receivers who do what he does, which is break tackles downfield and then just run to the end zone. He's got four touchdowns this season where one guy tried to tackle him after the catch. He shook him off and ran into the end zone. And that's that's phenomenal. Like, Having a weapon like that is is unreal. Like a guy that's that big, that strong, that quick, and and you know being a a all state caliber running back um, can make people shrug them off, make them miss, and and turn a good play into a game changing play. Like I, you know, I I hope and I pray. I think he's a very smart kid, as we saw. Uh, you know, he released some of his poetry or whatever earlier in the year. He's a, he's a thinker. 
I'm hoping that finishing his education is as important to him as it is to me that he comes back and finishes his degree uh, because I want I want him on the 40 Acres one more year. I think he could be a special team uh, if we get both or at least one uh, of those receivers you mentioned uh, back on the 40 Acres with another year uh, with Mr. Mr. Ellinger under, under center I think could be a very special offense next year. But, um, yeah, Lil Jordan is – I mean, he's quickly becoming a national name. People are starting to write articles about how cool his name is, which is hilariously late. But, uh, you know, he's he's a, he's a guy, and there is going to be that buzz. So, you know, just in case, all, all Longhorn fans, make sure you enjoy uh, everything we're seeing this week and in the coming weeks uh, to end out this season because you never know. The kid is good enough to certainly be playing on Sundays, if not uh, next year, then, then, then for sure the year after. If Twitter buzzes to be believed, then hopefully his his – mother's opinion weighs very heavily on him and he decides to return uh, for his senior year. But the the things that I want to look at, one, Colin Johnson didn't have a bad game either. We, we're not, you know, three receptions for 55 yards. That's a pretty high average. I don't know if you want to do the math on that, but that's a pretty high number. This is the thing that, that is actually mind-boggling to me. So if Colin Johnson hits his per-game average for the next three games, because Kansas – probably the Big 12 championship, and then a bowl game, Texas will have two 1,000-yard receivers because Colin Johnson is right on the cusp. He has 730 yards, Mm -hmm. and he's averaging about 75 yards a game. So, have how many games has has he missed? Has he missed just one, or is it two? He just he just missed that one. Just the one. Okay, I was going to say because that I mean that's impressive. Even even with with both of them playing all the games, but yeah, to get it without playing every game, two 1,000-yard receivers, unbelievable. Well, and the pair of them, if you want to look, they are, um, they're like the fifth, fifth, fifth slash sixth, uh, most productive pair, uh, with a single season. I think, um, 1,763 yards is number five for a single season from a receiver pair and 123 receptions is number six. So they're having a special year and it will just continue to get more special. And I'm really excited to see it. So let's, let's, uh, let's move on. And probably do the shortest uh, football preview that we've done in a while. Uh, this is normally where we book Cody, but we've got some other things we're going to talk about today. So now with the West Virginia loss at the hands of Oklahoma State, uh, which again, you know what? I wouldn't have said that I love Taylor Cornelius uh, three weeks ago, but you know what? I love him today <laughs> because he managed to dismantle that that uh, West Virginia defense and put Texas in a position that now all they have to do is beat the Kansas Jayhawks, and they will play for their first Big 12 championship since 2009, which is just insane to think about. So Kansas is coming off of a 50-45 to loss against the Oklahoma uh, Sooners, which giving up 45 to Kansas says a lot about a lot of things It's the highest point total that Kansas has managed in conference play. So Kyle, let's start. There is this Kansas offense good, or is the OU defense still just really, really bad? Gerald, you know, I like to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to answer your question with a question. Can you tell me Gerald who the, the teams that Kansas has scored 32 or more points against this season um, and if you need a hint, I will tell you it's only two of them. Uh, whatever FCS school they played in week one. <laughs> nope. 
Oh man. Uh, I, I have, I should have pulled their schedule up, but I don't want to cheat. I have no clue, but, um, so other than OU, right. Obviously OU is one of the two. Uh, I, I know one of them was their non-conference game, uh, a non-conference game, but I couldn't pick it out of a lineup. So in one of the, uh, one of the funniest non-conference games, uh, it was hyped for the reasons that it may have been the two worst teams in the country. UConn, uh, is not that team, but they are going ahead and making sure that neither of these teams uh, are that, um, I'm just going to run through Kansas early schedule. They did not do it against central Michigan. They did not do it in overtime, uh, in a game in which they lost to Nichols state, uh, not to Baylor, um, not to Oklahoma state, not to West Virginia, not to Texas tech, not to the struggling TCU, um, of course, not to Iowa State, not to Kansas State. Rutgers. <laughs> <laughs> OU's defense is on par with kind of the punchline of at least the Northeast uh, section of football, of, of Power uh, 5 football, the, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. So I'm going to say that I think it's that OU's defense is bad. Um <laughs> and and I, I say that with all of the greatest joy and all of the hopes that I don't get fined. But uh, I think OU's defense is bad. I think Kansas' defense is not, or Kansas' offense, excuse me, is not terrible. Don't don't hear me say that, that they, they're not the worst team in the country as they've been um, in the past. I made that joke about UConn. Kansas had the record um, for, I believe it was points given up, or excuse me, yards given up per game uh, from two years ago. They were, you know, just awful. Just, you know, literally FCS teams would put 500 yards uh, up on them. They're not that team anymore on either side of the ball. Um, they, they are a legitimate team who you don't want to overlook, but there's no way, even with the magic and euphoria of Les Miles being announced as their head coach, he won't, (laughs) he won't be coaching, but that doesn't mean he won't be chewing grass on the sideline somewhere. But uh, even with that, the the less uh, is more bump. um, I don't think that, that the offense is going to, you know, come out after you saw what UT just did to Iowa state, a significantly better offense. I don't think that they're going to come in and hang more than, you know, I'll give them, I'll give them seven to 14 points. Sure. You know, they're not a terrible team, but I don't think they're going to get, they're going to get 40 on us. Yeah. I, I don't anticipate them hitting that. Now we didn't, we said two years ago, we didn't anticipate Kansas beating Texas and costing Charlie strong his job. Sure. So stranger things have happened. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't see this Kansas offense being good enough to do that. Now, again, next year may have a whole different conversation because the Mad Hatter is the Mad Hatter and he'll continue to Mad Hat until he's dead. Uh, <laughs> so I, I get it. I'm not worried, but that worries me. So we'll see how this turns out. I, I'm interested to see it. Um, their, their defense, not very good. They're averaging four and a half yards per rush, uh, eight, 8.34 yards per passing attempt. So you should be able to move the ball against them regardless of who the quarterback is. You know, whatever whatever the injury news is come Thursday, Friday, whether it's Sam Ellinger, Shane Bouchelle, the offense should still be able to move. Yeah, and there's, there is there, there are two guys to watch. We talked about it in our season preview, but we'll bring it back up again. There's two guys to watch on that defense. Um, Puka Williams is a 1,000-yard rusher. You know, he, he is, yes. he's having a really good season. He is their one weapon. If, if uh, you know, Iowa State only had Hakeem Butler, only had Montgomery, only had whatever it would be, you know, 
still not as good a team, but um, you know what I mean? It would be a one thing that you have to stop. And so that's who fans should be watching out of the backfield. Cause with, um, with a hundred and just under 150 carries, he's got a thousand yards that, that puts him at a seven yard uh, per rush average. Um, he's having a really good season. He's a, he's actually a hot uh, transfer candidate. I think he can grad transfer this year, but the, the, that's less his first big recruiting Um get as he has to get him so there is a weapon there is a weapon and and, and Steven Sims being the other is a is a talented kid um, again I, I don't think it's going to be more of a, a challenge than what we saw this week or what we've seen in previous weeks um, but I just wanted to put that out there but but you pointed it out you can move the ball on this Kansas defense and, and if it is Bouchelle I don't think that you need to look at that 8.3 yards per attempt um, in the air and say you have to just let Bouchelle go out and attack them. I think that four and a half yards with the way our running back and our offensive line is playing right now is how this game plan should be. Let the running backs eat. Let them get going. Let Bouchelle do the play-action pass. Let him be a nice 15 for 16 for 187 yards and two touchdowns. Like Let him have a nice, easy stat line to get the redemption that truly, Bouchelle, you deserve. You're the kid who always has to have on your back that you lost to Kansas. It's it's you know like whoever A and M's terrible quarterback was who had to lose to uh, Case McCoy in in the last game that shall ever be played um, uh, in that series. You know you, you never get that, but but Michelle gets a chance to to not be that guy. He gets to change the the narrative if in fact he is the quarterback as as we think. Um, so I, I do hope though that, that that doesn't become a burden in and of itself, and we just run that ball, move the ball, get the time of possession, let out talent them. Don't kill ourselves. Do all the things right, and just get a nice, easy, stress-free vi- victory. This is this is my hope. No stress. I I agree, and that brings me to to our Podstradamus picks for the week. We we've, we've been doing this for the last couple of weeks, and it's been it's been fun so far. So on that note, about you know just a nice leisurely leisurely not leisurely that's not a real word nice leisurely uh, game against Kansas. My Podstradamus pick is that Trey Watson gets his 100-yard game. Trey Watson hits 100 yards against his Kansas defense. I think he maybe cracks off a couple of long runs uh, and then just hits his, you know, five yards per carry average. So you hit a couple of just quick big ones and then grind it out. So I think Trey Watson hits 100 yards against the Kansas defense. What's What's your pick? Well, I just want to confirm, 100 yards on the ground, right? Not combined air and land and sea? Yes, 100 yards rushing. All right, I'm I'm excited to see that he deserves it. Kid's been kid's been a fantastic one year. We've had two fantastic one year players, so I hope the guy blocking for him is Calvin Anderson, just plowing people over. But uh, mine mine. I'm going to stick with what has worked for me here, and that's a little bit of spice, a little bit of zest. So the reason, probably, I did say they had a thousand yard rusher, but the reason that Kansas has won any games this year is they know how to freaking take the ball away from people, okay? Kansas has 11 fumble recoveries and 14 interceptions. That puts them at 25 takeaways this year. They are sixth in the country. Um, they are very, very good at taking the ball away. Um, I believe they lead the Big 12, you know, obviously with that stat. Um, and so Kansas is a team that that's how they'll beat you. Um, especially in the beginning of the year, through the first few weeks, they were leading the country um, in interceptions for about the first six weeks of this year. So they will make you pay if you let them. So I'm not the only person who knows how to use the internet and look things up. I imagine Todd Orlando, um, or excuse me, Tim Beck. Um, I imagine that that Coach Mensa, Tom Herman, all these people know how to use the, the, the Google machine and look that exact stat up. So what do you have to do? You preach ball security. You preach not giving the ball away. So 
because Kansas is averaging over a turnover a game on defense, I'm going to go the complete opposite. I'm going to go the Hakeem Butler of picks here and say that Kansas defense forces less than 1.1 turnovers per game. I got scared right at the end. They do not force more than one turnover. Screw it, guys. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Texas forces or gives up zero turnovers in this game to Kansas, one of the best teams in the country at taking the ball away from you. They protect that rock. They have zero turnovers, taking Kansas's one weapon away from them. You heard it here first. Kyle, for the last two weeks, you've taken me back to the mission trip to Falfurious when I was 16. The sweet old lady said that she made a mild batch of her hot sauce and I could put no more than two drops of it on my eggs for fear of the flaming poops. <laughs> no, so like that, that is, that's pretty spicy. Uh, now, you take into account that Sam Ellinger does not turn the ball over. Uh, that that has been a thing. So I'm, I'm interested to see it. So take note. We'll talk about it next week. So quickly, Kyle, uh, with a win over Kansas, Texas finds its way into the Big 12 championship. So Texas finds its way to the Big 12 championship game for a rematch because that's how the Big 12 works. You play everybody, and then the top two teams play again because – that makes complete sense. So Texas wins in their end. So we're just gonna we're gonna presuppose that for for now that Texas is in. So really, the game everybody's watching is OU and West Virginia, and the winner of that game is the team that Texas plays. Because if West Virginia wins, there's a three way tie, and West Virginia and Texas both own the tiebreaker over OU sucks. So that that goes there, the head-to-head winner. Uh, if OU wins, that means that West Virginia falls to three losses in conference, and that means that OU is a regular season champ, and Texas is in second place. So they will play again. So, Kyle, this has been a thing on Twitter today. Who would you rather play? Would you rather play OU to get the Red River matchup again, or would you? do you want a shot at redemption against uh, West Virginia? You know, (laughs) I have two ways that I could answer this. I do want to play West Virginia. I would like to, um, I would like to, you know, Omenahu to sack Will Greer, take his horns, stick them down into the dirt, uh, maybe break one of his fingers. No, I don't want him to get hurt at all. But, you know, I want them to knock their horns down right into the dirt. Um, I want to beat West Virginia. I feel the exact opposite I don't want to play OU. We beat them. It's over. We'll play again next year. I want to play OU in the Cotton Bowl, not in Arlington. I want to play you in the place that we play every year. We already did that. Been there, done that, literally got the t-shirt. Um, I, I I don't want to play Kyler Murray right now either. Kid's real good. Um, I do think we could have a field day with their defense. I do think it's it's awful and terrible even even any modicum better it might be without um, without Coach Stoops, our our savior in the last game. Um, I, I think I think Oklahoma is the scarier of the two. I think West Virginia obviously got the better of us in in a game in which you know their defense also had nothing to say. They just happened to have the ball last, but had nothing to say to our our highly functioning offense. I think our offense right now, the way they're playing, um, is going to do well against either one of these guys. Um, I think they would be so fired up for either of these games, but I think getting a chance to get the redemption, wipe the West Virginia uh, loss kind of off the books, or at least make it a clean draw and win the one uh, that that counts a little bit more, um, I personally would like to see West Virginia. Yeah, this is going to be the unpopular pick because I'm in the same boat. I'm I want OU to hold that L for the next 365 days. Yes. 
Just hold that close to your chest. Let it keep you warm at night. That that L is going to be your best friend. Uh, and I want to see this Texas defense play West Virginia without having five guys injured. That that to me, it's a different game. You you have five guys injured, starters injured before the game at the hotel in freak accidents, and then you lose two of your starters on the first series. Like. I want to see the Texas defense play West Virginia at full strength. I want to see the Texas defense with Malcolm Roach back there. I want to see Caden Sturds being able to play center field and let Brandon Jones play coverage and not the other way around. Because I think it's a completely different game. I said it to my wife when we were on the when we were at the game that West Virginia did not belong in the same field. Texas was leaps and bounds better. And then they just got banged up and they were able to tweak it out. So I I am so, like, again, we're going to get tweets and emails. Feel free to tweet and email us about this. But OU can hold that L for the next year. I I would love to see this Texas team get another shot at West Virginia. But before we move on, I do want to remind you of this week's sponsor, MyBookie. Now, sure, watching sports is fun, but it's more entertaining when you have some action on the game. Now we've heard you've heard me talking about this for the last month, and some of you are still on the sidelines. Whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting at my bookie. If you're the kind of person that likes to bet a little and win a lot, like playing the numbers on roulette, you can create a big parlay with them. Pick three teams to win. If you hit all three, you can turn a hundred into six hundred real fast. There's so much to bet on. You got college basketball and football, NBA. Uh, the NHL is going on custom prop bets, even esports. They've got it all up there. My bookie's the one bet you're going to be happy with all year. I can I can recommend them because they're trustworthy. They've been in business for years. They've got great online reviews, and you can get in contact with them through their mobile site and on social media. Follow them at BetMyBookie on Twitter. They personally respond to every mention and DM. Not to mention they've given away more than ten grand in free money to their followers this football season. You'll be the first to know as new odds and props are posted. Sign up this week and my bookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus to jumpstart your bankroll. It's a great way to bank even more money when you win. Don't miss out on one of the best weeks to bet on sports this year. Log on to my bookie right now and use the promo code Longhorn and get 50% deposit bonus. That's promo code Longhorn. You play, you win, you get paid. So Texas is not just a football school, even though we tend to focus in on football. So we've got a little bit of news from the other sports. So the volleyball team has won officially. They've clinched the Big 12 championship, even though they still have two remaining games on their schedule. Uh, They've won 11 Big 12 championships of their 24 conference championships. Kyle, you and I have a great appreciation for this volleyball team. It's been a really impressive run with Jared Elliott. Now they have to look toward the NCAA tournament and where they could make a deep run. Yeah, so the the Longhorns are are ranked number five right now. Um, They've already clinched the Big 12, two games remaining, but that doesn't mean they take those off because they need to move up into that top four to get a number one seed uh, in the tournament. Um, they, they obviously play uh, better at home. If you can host a, a tournament would be would be fantastic. So getting in that top four uh, is paramount for them, getting that number one seed. Um, so they will have two more games, one in Lubbock uh, on Wednesday this week, day before Thanksgiving, and then uh, coming in after Thanksgiving.
Thanksgiving on Saturday, uh, they will play West Virginia. Um, so, so, and that one is in Austin. So if you're back in, in, in Austin or you're, you're there, uh, go, go see the ladies, uh, finish out the season strong. And like I said, make the big push for the number one. Yeah. I'm interested to see. I want, I want them to get a natty. I really do. That's, that's the only thing that they have left on, on the checklist. Elliot has really done a great job of building this program. I think it's going to be, uh, I, I, I can't say it's going to be this year, but I want it to be this year and it feels right. So in a little bit of basketball, uh, the number 11 women's basketball team, uh, again, just continues to just slap the, the heck out of anybody they come up against. Uh, they took on McNeese state and won 90 to 46. You heard that right. 90 that's nine zero to 46. No, 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 no. That was, that was my typo. If I typed that it was 96 to 40, even better. <laughs> 96 to 40. That's wow. That's even worse. Like, yes. I, I, I got nothing. I, yeah. I, I, no I was, I was currently trying to look up whether either of those things were a record largest, uh, margin of victory or, or highest point total scored. I don't believe, uh, either as I can tell our, our team records, but they gotta be dang close. It's, it's ridiculous. So the men took on the Citadel. Um, and this, this was another beat down, which you feel bad when it's the Citadel, but 97 to 69, uh, Texas managed to, to, avoid the speed trap that is the Citadel. Uh, Jackson Hayes was named the Big 12 uh, co-newcomer of the week. He had he averaged 11 and a half re, uh, points, six rebounds, and two blocks uh, through that week. So, Kyle, basketball seems to be up in full swing, and the team is seeming to, to gel pretty early, uh, much earlier than it seemed to last year. Well, that will be uh, that will be tested in a very big way. So we talked about the women's basketball. Their next game is Quinnipiac, um, which I do actually know where that one is. But the men, uh, they get to test out whether they've in fact gelled um, against North Carolina, the number six team uh, in in the country on on Thanksgiving Day. Um, so if you're sitting around eating some turkey at six thirty uh, Central Time, um, you can check that one out. But that will be an enormous test for a team that is um is playing well i think they still have some things to prove i think um getting the citadel where they got them putting up points it's watch the highlights a fantastic dunk fest they started hitting their threes at the end of the game if they can carry that over you know north carolina is going to throw zone at them because they haven't been hitting those threes haven't been breaking the zone but if they can if they can keep that part of their offense going then i think it should be a good game uh this will be the true test of where this team stands. Yeah, I, I mean, it's that Arkansas win is looking less and less appealing every week. Every week, so this is probably going to be uh, the actual true test. So, uh, some some tangential football news. Uh, we didn't talk about it last week, but Texas scheduled a home and home uh, with the Georgia Bulldogs in what basically seems like 2053. Uh, no, it's, it's several years out though. Uh, Texas continues to do the thing where they're scheduling all of the sec schools that are worth playing and not <laughs> scheduling Vanderbilt or teams like that. Uh, which you get, you get the, you get the perks of moving to the sec without, uh, having to, to, you know, go to Vandy or, or be in a conference with A&M. So it's, it's actually been a really good thing for Texas. 
Yeah, I can't wait. I'm going to try to go to the game uh, in Athens. A lot of my family in the Atlanta area, huge Bulldog fans. Um, I've always said if I have to pull for one SEC team, it would only be Georgia. Um, but uh, So I'm definitely going to go to that game in Athens. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I, I said it before, I think that's the template because Alabama is their own thing. I think that kind of what Kirby Smart has done is the template for what Tom Herman needs to do of just getting the talent, kind of just stocking the cupboard, getting an identity in, and just really um, – putting that product out in the field. And I think that's, uh, and it, by the time we play each other, those could very well be, you know, numbers two, three, four, five, somewhere in that range of best teams in the country at that point. So it could be an absolute marquee matchup. I'm excited for those. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting. Again, the home and home with Bama, you got the home and home with Georgia. Now it just, just let's get all the good. Let's get LSU on the schedule. Let's just get all of the good sec schools and not have to deal with A&M anymore. Uh, I'm, I'm completely okay with that. Hold that L for the rest of eternity. A couple of quick hits. Charles who officially received his invite to the senior bowl. A guy who came back to improve his draft stock will get the direct shot to do that. The senior bowl is in, in basically the, the best place for seniors to show off, not at the NFL draft combine. They're basically more gauged on their play and practice than they are the underwear Olympics. And then Colt McCoy <laughs> got a start for the Redskins. Alex Smith had one of the grossest sports injuries I've seen in my entire life. Colt McCoy came in through some several really pretty passes, uh, but was an, unable to pull out the win. Uh, he will be the uh, the starter uh, moving forward because Alex Smith is not expected to return uh, for the rest of the year and possibly a big chunk of next year. Yeah, that that was. We wish him the best. That was um, one of those that someone texts you and says, "Don't watch this," and you wish you take their advice. It's that was a gruesome one for sure. Um, but on a lighter note, um, I think it was was Mike Finger on Twitter who, who said that uh, since Colt threw his last regular season pass in in. 2015 before before Sunday coming in he basically made nine million dollars to be uh on call um which just goes to show that he is so much smarter and has such a better career path than all of us that is a genius to do um not to say the NFL you gotta everything else in that job is tough um but at least on the big show on Sundays just to kind of relax every Sunday watch a watch a football game from some of the best seats in the house for three seasons and make nine million dollars doing it but I'm glad to see he stayed sharp and very excited to watch Colt for the rest of the season yeah he threw a really pretty touchdown pass on his first drive in which is hopefully we'll see more of that but it's now the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college sports, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum. So we're banging the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz. Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Like I said, there's no place in the world I would have rather been this weekend than than New Orleans. Um, it was a good life moment. But a very close second would have been Austin, Texas for this game. Um, I had a couple dozen friends text me, during and after the game who were there and said it was one of their top two or three all-time stadium experiences. You know, you think Notre Dame uh, a couple years ago when that was at home. Um, you think, I, I personally always think back to the Missouri game um, when Chase Daniel was there and it was, you know, we had just beaten Oklahoma and it was like we were riding this wave and it was the loudest DKR had ever been before they kind of closed in a little bit and helped some of the noise. But this was just an all-time game um, from a stadium atmosphere it is the template that they should look to replicate. So there's a lot of things that kind of converged in this one. It was senior night for a senior class that's been through been through it all. They've been through a Kansas loss. They've been through losing 
losing a coach like Charlie Strong, who, you know, there's very few coaches in the country who have that much love, devotion, and loyalty from their players. So no matter what you think of him results-wise, that's tough for those kids to lose a guy who they adore and love. Um, Going through that, coming into kind of the Herman era, just a lot of transition, having some really awful seasons that didn't come through, a lot of things happen with this team in these seniors. And we haven't won on senior night in a couple years. And I think the fans helped make that electric atmosphere that allowed it to happen. Um, Everyone said from the silent disco afterwards to, you know, the ghost land observatory performance before the game to the, you know, two of the coolest things where they were playing, um, uh, they were playing uh, some sing-along kind of songs, karaoke in the stadium. They had Journey. Uh, someone put their phone up and, and, and kind of spontaneously, the whole stadium just started taking their phones out and turning the light on. And even there is some Instagram shared by Texas football with the players on the sideline watching it happen, and they're freaking out. Chris Boyd said, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. This is the coolest football game I've ever played. Like, for a player to look up in the stands and be in DKR and say that and say, wow, for a player like Chris Boyd, who's played so many football games and probably has so many more in his career to say, this is the coolest game I've played, that's fantastic. And I think, you know, like I said, credit goes to the seniors. Credit goes to Tom Herman and his alignment and his, you know, his vision for this program. Obviously, huge credit. We've been saying it all along to Chris Del Conte for kind of the revamps he's done for this program. But credit to our fans. Our fans who sometimes get flack and, and say, you know, they don't always come early and stay late and wear orange and be loud and, and, you know, do those things. They have to kind of be reminded to do those. They didn't on Saturday. They were loud. They were engaged. They were, you know, creating a raucous home field advantage. Um, They did some cool things. I hope that cell phone light thing is for tradition. At one point they were singing living on a prayer by Bon Jovi and they, they cut the music off and uh, you could hear it in the broadcast that the fans just kept singing through the play. And it was kind of awesome. You could see players just like looking around the field. Um, So just awesome. Just really awesome. Um, I'm glad that that we got that atmosphere um, for the seniors for their last game. I hope for the first game next year and every game next year, we can, we can recreate that um, and really make DKR, DKR one of those special places to play that no one wants to come into um, because the rabid Longhorn faithful uh, are, are giving it to the opposition, you know, for, for the entire four quarters. So um, just an incredible thing. I, it was so cool to see on TV. Wish I could have been there, but every single person who I know who was there was talking about how special it was. Yeah, I mean, seeing it, it it was it was really cool to watch. He, Ricky Williams got into it uh, from the the Longhorn Network booth. It was awesome, and just I I can't like Texas fans have been known throughout the conference to be kind of not great in the stands, and so I went on the uh, Wide Right and Natty Light podcast last week, and one of the one of their hosts is a former player, and he asked like, what changed? And it's just it's become an event. Like game day is finally an event in Austin, and it's paying dividends on the field for Texas because they've been way better at home than they have been on the road. So, so my bang the drum this week is about the young prophet Breck Hager. It's been an interesting week for the man. So, following the game against uh, against the Iowa State Cyclones, um, Breck Hager did a thing where he took some some water from the river Jordan and sprinkled it on the 50 yard line uh, in his continued efforts to purify the Texas Longhorns uh, through his, 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 um, his days as a prophet, uh, just like the, uh, 
the judges of old, he will not cut his hair uh, until Texas has accomplished their goal. So he's channeling Samson. Uh, he had the best uh, WWF uh, promo that I've seen <laughs> cut since the Macho Man Randy Savage stopped uh, cutting them post game on Longhorn Network. And then Breck Hager to the media said the greatest phrase in the world, and we all know what it is, is that OU sucks. Now, there, this is really where my bang the drum comes in. On Monday, the Big 12 Conference managed to make one of the dumbest decisions it has in a long time, and they issued a formal reprimand of Breck Hager for saying OU sucks which is just the most asinine thing I've heard in such a long time. So this is the same conference that penalized somebody for doing the horns down. This is the same conference that manages to blow easy calls week in and week out. We live in such a just offense averse society that a player is not allowed to say that their rival sucks. It's, it's a thing. It's a non-disparaging thing that, that the Big 12 has. And so he had to issue a formal apology, which I made a joke off of top. But the fact that we hold the players to a higher standard in college than we do in the NFL is ridiculous. And we hold players to a higher standard than the coaches that are there to help mold and shape them. So... Breck, for you and for any player that has wanted to say it and has not been able to or has been forced to apologize, I will say it now. I will say it forever. It is true today. It is true tomorrow. It's 11.42 p.m. on November 19th, and OU will always suck. Bam. I got nothing. Perfect. You nailed it. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Uh, he, he needs no defense. The, the truth, I believe when you walk up the West Mall and you see the tower and you look up at what's inscribed on it, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Breck, <laughs> Breck Hagen, you speak, you tell no lies, my man. You speak the truth, it shall set you free. Keep being a prophet out there. Keep telling the truth and keep beating whoever is put across from you uh, on, on Saturdays or in this case Friday. Uh, and, and you will be judged uh, in, in, a, in a wonderful light for years to come. You know what? Let, let the kid have fun. But that's all the time we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the Internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas pregamer uh, who is back after a little brief hiatus uh, this week um, at, at Texas pregamer. Um, and of course you can follow the show at Longhorn pod. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at G H Goodridge. Feel free to shoot us a line on Twitter. Like Kyle said, at Longhorn Pod, we've had some good conversations with listeners throughout the games and throughout the weeks. You can shoot us an email. If you have any thoughts about our bang the drums, you can shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this weekend. Until next time, hook them. Hook them. Hook em.